Well, I've just been on a lovely little drive down to Akuna Bay in New South Wales in Sydney where we were having a look at the new Peugeot 2008 small SUV. Had a great chat to Kate Gillis, the General Manager of Peugeot Citroen Australia and Daniel Kahn, their Public Relations and Product Manager. And so what better way to uh, enhance that conversation than to chat with them now. Kate and Daniel, thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome, David. Nice to Thank you very much for having us. Kate, your background, you spent a few years, quite a few years in Ireland. Who were you working for there? I spent 10 years in Ireland. Uh, I was working for uh, Waterford Crystal there, um, the national office, which is based uh, in the southeast of Ireland, so where we had our factory and head office. Waterford Crystal is a very elegant product without necessarily going over the top. Would that be a fair reflection? Absolutely. Uh, Waterford Crystal has got a long, very, very long heritage. Um, one of the first glassmakers in Europe, actually. A lot of the uh, workers had come over from mainland Europe um, around 17, uh, 1786 uh, to join the factory there. Um, uh, Waterford is also one of the oldest ports in the world, and it had uh, had set up a quite a nice trade with Waterford. So, you know, it, it, it remained in the same place for four or 200 years. So it has this lovely history that evolved. It produces a, a quality product. I, I think they uh, talk about finest quality crystal for drinking vessels and objects of beauty. Is that the sort of background that did well for you to move to Persia? Absolutely. I think what where I gravitate to very much so is brands that do have that legacy. Um, they have started and nurtured themselves uh, through time. Objects of beauty, you know, you could you could certainly argue that that Peugeot has had that in, in its number of forms over the last 200 years. And that certainly put uh, put Waterford in good stead for me to join Peugeot, uh, Peugeot here in Australia. Uh, Peugeot talks about its 210-year history. That obviously goes back before cars. Yes, that's right. That's right. You know, Peugeot got a you know fascinating, fascinating background. Um, it had essentially started by a family who were very forward thinking, who wanted to move their manufacturing into steel, and then evolved from there. But yeah, certainly had 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 uh, had some good vision from the very beginning to put us into a position where we are today. 210 years old, uh, the Peugeot brand is commenced on the 26th of September. You love your history. Yes, I do. Well, of course, they got into the production of things now that really are a part of the, not just elegant, but enjoyable lifestyle, coffee and uh, pepper and salt grinders. Do you ever think that you might be able to give a set of salt and pepper shakers with the Peugeot logo to everyone who buys a new car? Is there a possible link there? <laughs> well, that well, that would be lovely. Uh, look, I, I think um, you know the the history which goes back, and that's that sort of I guess the the vibrancy and the colour of the of the Peugeot brand. Who would have thought you know that pe- pepper grinders was where the uh, where the company had started? What is nice is if you do have a set of um, pepper and salt grinders from Peugeot, that you can start to tell the story of where the brand started and and where the brand is going. So you know, um, yeah, so you can you can do that, but. Uh, yeah, probably something to think about in the future of maybe a gift with purchase. That's interesting. You can do that. So if I have someone at a dinner party, it becomes a conversation piece rather than just my car can do 0 to 100 in 
X number of seconds. Yeah, that's exactly right. It invites a really interesting conversation that I'm sure many people don't don't realise the history of the brand. The images uh, you mentioned at the launch, something like the 205, the one of the first little hot hatches, one of the first GTIs equivalent in the market. Is that is that an important part of uh, the more recent heritage? Uh, look, I think so. We we look at the 205 as being a really interesting time, not only for the history of the brand uh, in terms of its innovation and its forward thinking, but also in terms of it attracting a, a new type of customer. You could, you could, if we went back into the 80s, Peugeot for a brand of, let's say, you know, a, a 25 to 35-year-old male probably wouldn't have been the, the vehicle or brand of choice. But once they brought in the 205, uh, and they started to use that vehicle in, you know, all sorts of competition, particularly in rally. It had opened up the market for the brand very nicely. So all of a sudden, there was an aspiration for a younger audience or younger demographic to be interested in the in the Peugeot brand. And what we do find now is that people are still in the Peugeot brand, and whose first vehicle was in fact the 205. So that that love for the brand has continued on through the last 30 or 40 years. That's for those of us who are getting old. Do you think you've got to replenish that idea of hitting back to the, no, hitting, uh, getting back to the young? Is that something that you've really got to work on, do you think? I think that the Peugeot brand has got, as, as we've talked about, has got such a, a, a wild, uh, a wide, I should say, history. And I think that where people are going with their, with their love of brands is that storytelling that comes with brands. If we, if we look at another beautiful, uh, French brand in fashion, it's Hermes. Hermes is, is, is bucking a lot of trends at the minute in terms of its growth within the market. It's coming from a younger demographic. Um, and that's because people can see that history that has come from the brand and that puts it in good stead moving forward. The same thing is for, for Peugeot as well. As we move into a new dawn around electrification, Peugeot is definitely one, one of those brands at the forefront of electrification, of technology, uh, of style, and all of that gets wrapped up uh, in terms, particularly in terms of our new product and what's coming through through our pipeline. It, it opens up then the opportunity for the brand to have a different aspect for a younger demographic, knowing that a lot of foundation of the brand has actually come from its long, you know, long history. So that long history is putting us in good stead for the future conversations that we can have with, you know, with, with new customers. How much of a turnaround has there been with COVID, with environment and that, that changes the very nature of the car industry of where you're heading you mentioned electric and so on are these huge factors now in redefining how you approach the market yes there is definitely different ways which we uh which we need to approach the market but it's also fair to say that we we're also still in the middle of what covid and the impact of COVID is going to is going to have on us. You know, we saw in in New South Wales we had a shutdown from May to or March to May. After May, uh, things started to open, and we saw, for instance, with regards to vehicle sales, they bounced back quite uh, quite well. 
uh, again, it was an end of financial year. I think people had were looking for um, for a, a reason to purchase potentially their summer holidays to Europe um, had been cancelled. So we did see um, a, a bit of buoyancy within within those numbers. However, what we're seeing, particularly from a Victorian perspective, is that COVID can come back. We're just you know coming out or soon hopefully to come out of that second wave um, around lockdown. Retail are starting to open up in Victoria, so. The the overall impact of COVID on this industry is really a little bit yet to be seen. Some of the some of the insights that we're seeing coming through is that particularly around uh, public transport and taking public transport to work uh, is is uh, people are reluctant to do that. They're looking at you know small runabouts, small cars which they can take in metro areas moving from one place to another without actually having to get onto public transport. So we've seen a little bit of that move and we've seen that with the levels of inquiry that we're getting on some of our smaller vehicles, like the 308, for instance. We're seeing that come through and, and that being a result of, of the impact of COVID. So I think we're going to see that still continuing and evolving throughout this year and certainly into, into 2021. You think people are making a more specific choice of what their car is given the new environment that it's it's something now that won't necessarily come easily but it's really got to focus on the real needs that's right i think we've gone from potentially we've gone from the convenience around around public transport we've also had the convenience of working at our at our place of work whereas now public transport isn't necessarily your transport of choice a vehicle is and also in the fact that actually people are going to continue to work from home so the needs around a vehicle are going to be are going to be quite different they may not need vehicles that have you know that uh, have got a, a, well, a different um, efficiency, you know, when they're just darting around their, their local area and their local community. So some of these, I think, will, will continually involve, but there are a number of factors that COVID have presented to us, which I think are going to put us into some level of change as we move forward. There is the issue, it accelerates us addressing other things like researching and even perhaps buying online. Is that something you are noticing? Oh, completely. Certainly within the last six or seven months, particularly around March, we're still seeing our levels of uh, website traffic, um, website inquiry, even dealer inquiry coming through has been has been quite buoyant. So we're definitely up in terms of all of those factors from last year. I think people have got a little bit more time on their hands if they've been at home, uh, but it's also keeping them from, it's helping them be probably aspirational in terms of what they're able to do, what they're able to take a little bit more time in terms of doing their research. We've seen, for instance, Peugeot being on uh, more more consideration lists. So we know through research that when people are looking to buy a car, there's probably four or five vehicles that they've got down to their final selection, and then their final selection will, will likely go to two or three. We're finding that Peugeot is going is coming in as that third, probably the the wild car or the outside predictor, which is coming in into that selection, which is great to see. We're certainly not as big as other brands in the market. We've got a good, healthy level of dealers throughout um, throughout the country, but Peugeot has, has slightly fallen off people's consideration lists over the last number of years. Now, particularly with award-winning 3008, our mid-size SUV, 
Uh, obviously, with our 308, which we've had in our range for a number of years, these are starting to percolate away as being levels of consideration for people who are looking at potentially buying now or buying within the next couple of months. Will the development of things like electric vehicles give you a positive image or is that part of the image you really want to push to show that you are embracing the modern as well as having a great history? I think it actually reflects our background and our history. We take electrification. It's all about how the brand has innovated. It's taken new directions and and new routes to come to market. And electrification is really just a continuation or extension of that fabric of story that we've had for for over 200 years. We have got a two-step process. So right now, uh, we're in the midst of planning a PHEV or plug-in hybrid uh, that's due into Australia around mid-2021, and so that's exciting. That really starts to lay the plan out as to where Peugeot is going for uh, for the future. Electrification is an important part of our future, but it, it will be in the context of our plug-in hybrid as well as our existing, uh, our existing petrol engines. COVID-19 has highlighted what has often been in transport planning an overlooked element, and that is freight. And I don't just mean the doubles going down the Hume Highway. The delivery of local goods and services is now more in people's minds. You have a number of vans in that. Is that an important component to you of your presence in the market? Hugely. We have only recently launched light commercial vehicles under the Peugeot brand mark. We have three models within that segment. We launched last year and certainly have had a very, very positive and encouraging response from fleet managers and from small, medium-sized businesses. What we've found, particularly through COVID, is there's been a, there's been a marked increase in demand for vans and not only from a short-term from a rental company perspective, because some people potentially are not buying into a light commercial vehicle just in case that the market turns again. So there's the rental side of light commercial and there's also the purchase, either, as I said, the small to medium businesses or indeed the fleet businesses. So we're seeing that as an important part of of our future um, as we really get our foundation right within this. We've got a lot of conversations around it, a lot of anticipation in terms of what 2021 will bring for us with regards to fleet. But the the vehicle themselves uh, is um, very much competitively not only priced, but in terms of the specifications which are within our, our vans, we've worked hard to bring the right specification to this market. So we're finding that it's very much punching above its weight in terms of this segment. So we are confident that we've got the right mix of product moving forward. Specification is interesting. Again, you said it's not just price. Is the freight industry market now honing itself with a a, a broader range of understanding of where it fits into the market and how it works? And does a car company need to understand that? A car company needs to understand some of the some of the real fundamentals, uh, which is around payload. It's around efficiency. It's around, or particularly with fuel efficiency, it's around comfort. Ensuring that you may be in your van for the majority of your working day, that you've got all of the the requirements within that van that is going to be a comfortable ride for you. But ensuring that you know you've got enough space within that van 
be it a short wheelbase or a long wheelbase that allows you to get done what you need to get done within within your job. So what COVID has done is it has accelerated this part of, I guess, this part of the automotive industry. And we're finding that whilst people are buying into the vans, it's also very much about the longevity of their business moving forward. What's best for them, knowing that this is a real tool of trade, but ensuring that they're getting the best value for money from that tool of trade. The 2008, how would you describe it? Oh, it's beautiful. It, it really is a magnificent car. I've driven a, a lot of Peugeots um, and I and I and I sincerely love driving Peugeots, but there was something quite unique and special about about the 2008. I'm hoping that you felt the same too. A small SUV looks like a practical car on the outside, but the GT particularly felt like a 205 on the inside. It had the right sound. Is that what you're pushing, that it's, it's a little bit more than just a, a, a glorified station wagon? It's more a sports wagon, really, isn't it? That's exactly right, and, and, and you're right. It does have the feeling of a, of a sports car with a little bit more of the size than, say, the, say the 205, a very comfortable uh, ride for not only the driver but also for passenger in the front seat, and there's plenty of room, <clears throat> there's plenty of room in, the, in the back seat as well. Great height uh, in terms of um, in terms of that back seat, so it's got it's got all of the I, I guess the the requirements that you would need from an SUV, but it feels more than that. If there's a sportier edge to it, it's a very modern, very contemporary vehicle, uh, and the cockpit itself, and we have the i cockpit, which is 3D. As it, as it folds around the driver, you feel very much in control of the vehicle and, on, and of the road. So it's a, very, it's a very special vehicle. Elegant design, uh, cockpits and, and dashboards have often become over-graphic and too much information. I, I have found that the prerequisite for driving a car now and reading the information is reading glasses. Yet I think yours has, has an elegance and a simplicity to it. Do you think that will reinforce the image you're trying to press? I think so. What is what is important about our eye cockpit uh, and also within within that front dash is it's got the availability to be customised. So you may like a minimal dash. You can have a minimal dash, or you might like more information on your dashboard. Well, that's also um, that that's also up to you. So we've got two two models within our dashboard, um, or two options, I should say, that is personalised. So for yourself and your partner, you can have completely different dashes and then that would be that would be conditioned then to to whenever you're in the car. So that's really important that you actually have that that option there. Um, not only that, you've also got the option of the the colour within the vehicle itself. So there's six colourways. You know, you might like just a very simple light ambient light inside your vehicle of white or if you like you can have that to be green blue red pink it really is customizable to to what you want and that's that's the great thing about the 2008 it's hard to recommend with a high price you are pitching up market with it within that competitive set of the small suv segment it's quite a broad range of price points that you can get. Now, you know, you could look at very similar competitors and say, well, the 2008 is is 10% more expensive, but it's important to then also look at the specifications of what you're getting for your for your money. So, there's great value. Uh, in fact, what we see is that 
there's around 15 or 16 percent more value that's coming from the 2008 next to its closest competitor. So I think that's that's important. We've we've worked hard to make sure that we get the specification right, that we've got a standout product, that we are quite unique within this market. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to compete directly on price. You know, we're, we're competing on quality um, of ensuring that we've got everything that we need within this car at the right offer, at the right price for the customer. Kate, that's been lovely. Thank you very much for your time. Oh, you're more than welcome. Thank you for having us.